Hey everyone, welcome back to Sacred Scars, Life After Religious Trauma. My name is Candice and I'm joined here today by my partner Marcus. And this week's episode is titled Churchy Mind Games, The Beginner's Guide to Spiritual Gaslighting and Bypassing. So Marcus, before I ask you to give us some definitions here and talk to us a bit about spiritual bypassing and gaslighting, I think it would be really great if we could let our listeners know just some information about what we offer in the trauma space, uh, where they can find more information about us, how they can stay up to date with what, what's happening in this space. Uh, can you just give us the rundown? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, welcome back to everyone who's who's listening. And for those who are here for the first episode, welcome to your first episode of uh, Hunger, the podcast. So um, yeah, simple answer, hungerpodcast.com. Like that's it, you know, hungerpodcast.com. Pretty simple. And everything is there. All, all of our links for podcast episodes, you can find the links to Spotify and, I, and Apple Podcasts. I almost said iTunes. I don't think iTunes is a thing anymore. But uh, Apple Podcasts, you can find all those links there. Uh, there are also links to one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching and therapy sessions. However, you guys, however, we have terrible news, which is kind of good news, but also terrible news. We're, we're booked out. We're booked out for coaching <laughs> and therapy already. So at the moment, all if you fill out that form, it's a wait list because we, we can't take on any more clients at this stage. Uh, but, you know, if you want to be on the wait list, go ahead and fill that out. But we're also going to be releasing our first workshop tomorrow. And I'm really, really excited about that. It's titled Never Good Enough. We're going to be exploring the insecurities that can emerge in our lives as a result of religious trauma. And think, talking about things like, you know, people being afraid that they're not going to go to heaven, afraid that they're not good enough for God, afraid that they just can't get it right and how that impacts our emotional well-being and also with some forward steps. And we're going to, as a workshop, we're actually going to be video, right? So you're going to be able to see slides. You're going to see the PowerPoint. There's going to be a PDF that you can download along with it. Uh, and it's and it'll be really affordable, a lot more affordable actually than a therapy session, but nevertheless, really, really, really useful. So keep your eyes out for that, guys. Our first workshop releases tomorrow. That is Tuesday. Uh, other than that, if you go to our website and you click on this really, really pretty button at the top, all the button says is the app. You can download our app. We have an app, you guys. Download the app. It's, uh, it's, it's the number one trauma-informed Bible devotional app. It's a Bible devotional app. Uh, it's got devotional plans and Bible courses, but it's very different to most devotional apps in that it is trauma-informed. It's all about healing our relationship with God. So anyways, that that's it. That's that's the rundown. Did I miss anything there, Candice? I think. No, that sounds great. And I think we should be about ready to dive into questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So spiritual bypassing and gaslighting are quite distinct concepts, but there is also overlap. So can you just give us a brief overview of the differences between the two, starting with spiritual bypassing? Yeah. So it is tricky to articulate the difference between the two because they overlap quite a lot, but I'll, I'll do my best here to articulate that difference, but just be mindful that on the ground in real life, it's often hard to tell the difference, but you kind of don't really need to either. So long as you are aware of what spiritual bypassing is and what spiritual gaslighting is, 
that awareness is like a shield. It's, it's, you know, it, it, it helps us to be resilient and wise and aware in the face of these things, because these are often tactics that are used in high control religious environments to control and manipulate. And so just being aware of how they work is, is really, really essential. But let me try and explain a little bit the difference. So spiritual bypassing, it, it's really talking about using spiritual beliefs and practices to avoid or bypass dealing with emotional issues. So I'll say that again, it's using spiritual beliefs and practices to avoid or bypass dealing with emotional issues. So kind of a good way of understanding it is that the intention behind spiritual bypassing is that you're seeking a higher transcendent state to minimize or ignore uncomfortable emotions or challenges. So for example, encouraging someone, oh, just think positive because, you know, negative thoughts that impacts your reality. So just think positive thoughts. Uh, and, and, and that is not necessarily false. It's certainly possible to be always thinking negative thoughts. But what about when someone's dealing with something that's actually negative and they need to have a actual conversation that is negative? That's part of reality, right? We have to do that. Uh, an example of that, I remember reading a story about a lady who was working in a, in a work environment that was very toxic. There was a lot of control. There was a lot of manipulation. And she brought it up to her boss and her boss's reply was, oh, well, you know, but those are that's just a very negative way of looking at things. If you just think positive, you'll be able to enjoy the workspace. So what the boss has just done is she has bypassed the necessity to have accountability and to have difficult conversations. She's bypassed that in the name of positivity, right? And this happens in churches as well, where people are dealing with very difficult scenarios, very difficult things. And we tell them to just pray more and just believe more. And in doing so, we bypass or we ignore the messiness, right? That messiness that's right there, the pain that's right there in front of us that needs to be spoken about, that needs to be addressed, the accountability that needs to be put in place, the changes, the tangible changes in the culture and the leadership, et cetera, that need to happen. We bypass all of that in the name of prayer, positivity, et cetera. So that's spiritual bypassing. And for those of you who are familiar with gaslighting, you can see that, hey, this is very, very close, right? It's almost the same thing, right? But gaslighting is slightly different in that it's a form of psychological manipulation where a person basically tries to get you to doubt your perceptions, they, to try and get you to doubt your perception of reality. That can, that can be making you doubt memories. Oh, that never happened when it really did. Uh, even in extreme cases, making you doubt your sanity, you know? Um, and they, they might even accuse you of being emotionally unstable or psychologically unwell simply because you brought up something that, that they are denying is true when, it, when it's actually very true. And, and it's really the fundamental bottom line is that a person is getting you to question your reality. And in, in spiritual gaslighting, there's a, there's a sort of a, a agenda to dominate or undermine someone by making them doubt their own experiences, their own thoughts, their own feelings. Now, here's an example uh, for, you know, denying that certain events occurred, 
you know, uh, minimizing someone's feelings. Oh, those feelings aren't real. And we talked about this a little bit in the last episode. You know, when someone says your faith isn't real, because if your faith was real, you wouldn't struggle with anxiety. So someone now is defining your reality for you. Or when someone says religious trauma isn't real, maybe they don't want to admit it's real, but now they're dictating to you what your reality is. And this is, again, an example of, of gaslighting. And so the idea here is control, right? It's control. So if I was to try and simplify this, the key differences is that spiritual bypassing centers on avoiding emotional discomfort. And gaslighting is about manipulating someone's perception of reality. So hopefully that makes sense. Yes, absolutely. Uh, totally makes sense. And I think it's also uh, important to point out here that people who are engaging in spiritual bypassing or gaslighting, it really isn't about the feelings of the other person, even though it can come across as they're not comfortable with your feelings. It's actually what it's stirring up inside of them mm. and the emotional wounds and psychological wounds that they are carrying, which makes it difficult for them to be able to hold space and fully engage with another person. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually a really helpful point because when a person uses these tactics, and I've shared this with, with people throughout the years, when a person is engaging in this type of behavior, it says a lot more about them than it does about you. In fact, I would go so far as to say it, it really is a reflection of them, period. It's not a reflection of you. And oftentimes when you're being gaslit or when someone's bypassing, it can leave you feeling like there's something wrong with you, right? And, and, but it's not really you. It's not really about you. In these scenarios, the person, for whatever complex reasons, is either emotionally incapable or just addicted to control, uh, wants to be in charge of the situation. And so the things that they might say, the behavior they might engage in to control or to manipulate you is really ultimately a reflection of their own state. It's not a reflection of you. And I think that some people find that helpful because they're finally able to be like, oh, okay, so you know, I'm, I'm not as messed up as they were making me feel like I was, you know, or I'm not as, I'm not as uh, unstable as they were making me feel like I was. This is all part of the, you know, it's part of the tactic, so to speak. So that's a really helpful perspective to, to consider. Yes. And as a therapist, I would be thinking about how did this person, as they were growing up, how did their family handle big feelings? How did they process big feelings? Or did they even process big feelings? And work through adversity what was their experience with uh, resentment and confrontation how did their family of origin handle conflict and loss and anger and all those types of issues that arise so those are all the kinds of things that i would think about in why somebody wants to avoid or repress somebody else's emotions or what they're sharing with you yeah yeah and and i think what, I, what I'd like to do is just to make this a little bit easier to follow is share some key examples of what this looks and sounds like in a church setting. Because I can imagine uh, listeners right now are listening to this and they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty sure this has happened to me. I'm, I think I'm able to, to resonate and relate. But when we look at some actual like tangible examples, it might make it a little bit, you know, a little bit easier to to, to process and to identify. So here's, so here's, you know, one of them. 
um, a real situation. And these are all like real situations that I've seen as a pastor uh, throughout my years in, in, in church ministry. Um, so here's a scenario. Members are told that questioning the teachings of the church are a sign of weak faith. And it makes them doubt their genuine concerns, right? So, for example, you might have a young person who has serious questions about a particular belief. I had a friend of mine who actually became an atheist, and she confided in a lady in church that she had some serious doubts about, you know, for example, the creation story. And the lady in church, rather than holding space for her and saying, hey, those are some really good questions, I don't have the answers, but I'm happy to search for you or I'm happy you know, to, to point you in a direction where someone might be able, you know, maybe he's more skilled in that area and we can have a deeper dialogue with you. But rather than doing all of that, the lady basically turned around and said, if you question these beliefs, then you are all the bad things, you know, Satan and evil, all these things. And, and sometimes that is in reference to the church's dogma, but sometimes it goes even beyond that, where it's like, you cannot question this person. So whether it's a pastor or a church founder or someone who's considered a prophet, it's like you cannot question those people. And the moment that you question those people, you are automatically branded with all this negative sort of language. And, and so this is an example of, hey, you know, you have a lived experience, a real lived experience with real questions, but they're not allowed. They're not allowed. You're not allowed to have those questions. You're not allowed to ask those questions. You just have to believe. And, you know, a person's in an environment like that for long enough, and it really impacts you, and it really causes, it messes you up, man. You know, like it causes a lot of emotional pain. And I think, you know, in terms of what we're talking about when it comes to spiritual gaslighting and spiritual bypassing, when you're in this sort of an environment where you cannot ask questions and you're not allowed to to think for yourself and you're not allowed to wrestle with the things that you're being taught is it's basically creating an environment where you're forced to shut off your individuality. You're forced to shut down your critical thinking capacity. And the moment you do that, you are now under someone else's control. And that's really the ultimate goal of, of a lot of these tactics is to get people under control so that they can be easier to control easier to manipulate, et cetera. So that's one example. And happy happy for you to jump in, by the way, if you want to add anything to that example. I've got a few others. So <laughs> uh, I've been pastoring for a little while. So I've got, I got, I got quite a few of them. Um, yeah, well, I was just thinking that the words might not necessarily be, you know, someone coming up to you and saying, doubting the pastor's word is a lack of trust, you know, like just really mm -hmm. forceful and confronting. It could be subtle as well, you know, so... It could simply be someone who sounds well-meaning, you know, who sounds gentle. And they might say, now, now, we can't doubt God's chosen messenger, you know. So mm -hmm. taking that ability away for you still to be able to question and navigate and deconstruct whatever it is you need to do. So, yeah, their tone and their language might not be as harsh, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and sometimes there's not even a tone or language because sometimes it's just a look. Yeah. You know, sometimes it's yep. just those looks, man, those, those looks, it looks could kill you. <laughs> those <laughs> looks, those looks can mess you up, man. So yeah, hundred, hundred percent. And, you know, I, and I think this is a good point to, to, to point out that not everyone who does this, and I think this actually like kind of connects to something you were saying earlier, 
not everyone who engages in spiritual bypassing or gaslighting is necessarily doing it to be harmful. Like that, that it, for them, from their perspective, they're not like necessarily thinking I'm out to hurt this person. Sometimes they think they're being helpful, right? Sometimes they think they're doing the right thing. I, I pastored a church one time where there was a young man who um, got into an altercation with a visitor and there was a lot of sort of arguing. It got pretty nasty. And what caused the altercation was that the visitor had shared a per point of view that the young man didn't agree with. And so rather than holding space for the visitor, he opened up his Bible and starts to debate him and starts to argue with him. And it just, things just went downhill from there. And, you know, anyone could sit back and say, oh, that young man, you know, what a nasty, horrible individual, you know, arguing with people in church and all of that stuff. But what most people don't realize is that after that happened and, you know, we sort of separated them and calmed the other guy down, the visitor who was really upset, I went and spoke to the young man and he was in tears. And he said to me, I was only trying to help, you know, and he was seriously crying. He was so sad that he had caused such a commotion. And what I realized at that moment is that a lot of times people do these things because it's the only thing that's ever been modeled to them. They don't know any better, right? Like for him, it's quite likely that his entire life in church, people had gaslit and bypassed him. And maybe at some point he just kind of accepted that that's the way it is. And so then he began to participate in that, to perpetuate that kind of culture. And when it blew up in his face, because most of the time it doesn't blow up in your face, right? Most of the time people just kind of bite their lip, but this guy didn't bite his lip, this visitor, right? So when it blew up in his face, he was genuinely sad. He was genuinely heartbroken. He didn't think that he was causing any harm. And it was a learning experience for him. And I give him credit. He actually did begin to evolve and, and, and change after that. Uh, and so a lot of times people are sometimes themselves, they are sometimes trapped in the very systems that they perpetrate without knowing that they're perpetrating them, you know? Yeah. And I think it's really great that he was able to learn from this experience and use it to grow and hopefully respond in a more healthy way in the future. And I think it's really difficult to be able to say why somebody's gaslighting or spiritual bypassing. It's very complex and there's a lot of history and there's a lot of things happening that we're not always aware of. But I think at the end of the day, for people, it's like which is why we're doing this podcast, is to recognize the signs mm -hmm. so that we can know how to respond in these situations, to know what to look for so we can remove ourselves. Even even tears and apologies, you know, it's, it's tricky because mm -hmm. they can also be signs of manipulation and gaslighting yeah, and, and things I've, like I've that. I've seen that too, yeah. Yeah, so very true. it's yeah. someone who does that doesn't, we don't know where if mm. that's coming from a genuine place or not, you know, right in that moment. So I think the best that we can do is to just know what to look for and how we can respond if we come across this yeah. to make sure we keep ourselves safe and those around us. And this is why we're bringing this up, by the way, you guys. This is why this episode is so important is because spiritual gaslighting and bypassing are often used, and this is the experience that I have had, they're often used as, as masks, right? It's like we are going to you know, we, 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 act, we engage in this controlling behavior because we believe in keeping the church pure or we engage in this controlling behavior because we believe in holiness and we believe in being committed and, you know, no compromise and 
you know, it's, you've got to be all in, you know, that kind of rhetoric. And if you're not aware of what's actually happening, that rhetoric will suck you in, especially if you're the type of person who wants to be really faithful to God and you want to have a, a relationship with God that's genuine and authentic and, you know, all those positive things. It's very easy for fanatical language to sucker you in because these people can sound like these are the ones who are really committed and these are the ones who are really holy and these are the ones who are really dedicated and they're really pious. But when you learn to recognize the signs of um, gaslighting and, and bypassing, you can learn how to differentiate between genuine, a genuine commitment to Christ and someone who's using religion to control and manipulate others. And there's, there is a difference and learning that difference is really important. So I want to jump into the second, second scenario. Here's another scenario that definitely one that I have seen. A member expresses discomfort with a certain church practice, something that's happening, you know, some tradition. And the response is to question the sincerity of their faith. If you were truly devoted, you wouldn't find any issue with our traditions. And I want you to, to think about it. It's not always articulated that way, but I want you to think about that language because it's, it's very profound. If you were, then. So what you see here is a questioning of your reality, right? If you were truly devoted, because it doesn't matter how devoted you say you are, we've already decided you aren't. And we've decided you aren't because you disagree with us on this. And nine times out of 10, in my experience as a pastor, Candace, nine times out of 10, this, what, this kind of rhetoric and this kind of accusation didn't even have anything to do with something that's like really central to Christian theology, right? Like, it's not like someone was like, I don't believe Jesus is the savior. And then people said this, you know, that, that wasn't generally the case. It usually had something to do with something the Bible doesn't even talk about. So I've seen people said, you know, I've seen people accused of this simply for saying, you know, I don't think our church should only sing songs that are old. I think it's okay to sing modern songs, you know, or I, I don't think I, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessary for me to wear a suit and a tie all the time. The Bible doesn't say I have to wear a suit and a tie. Why do we always have to do that? And then that's where this kind of rhetoric comes in. It's like, well, if you were truly devoted, you wouldn't find any issue with that. And again, this is gaslighting, man. You're like questioning this person's reality. You're, and then you're you're trying to get them to doubt it based on something that doesn't even appear. <laughs> doesn't even appear in the Bible, right? Like they, nobody was wearing suit and ties back then. They, they didn't even exist, you know? So so it's just an example of what this can look like in a church scenario. And spiritual, I mean, gaslighting and bypassing happens everywhere, not just in church, but they often manifest this way in high control mm -hmm. religious environments. Right. And I think that, sounds like a threat to their safety you know a threat to how safe they feel spiritually and with god because they're obviously using traditions that aren't necessarily from sacred texts and they are saying if you were truly devoted to this tradition of ours which is what i'm using to feel like i am holy and safe and secure in my salvation maybe mm -hmm. you know yeah. Um, and you coming in and having a different way of how you want to do things is a threat to that. Yeah, and that's 100% the case because whenever you're dealing with gaslighting and bypassing, you're dealing with power. That's what you're dealing with. And 
generally speaking, when these tactics are put into place, it's when a person who is in a position of power feels that their power is being challenged somehow, you know? So, hey, and I've seen this in churches as well, you know, uh, we're going to make some changes to the way the stage looks, make it a little bit more modern, make it, you know, make it something that people can, you know, actually relate to when they walk in. Oh, but I, I helped build this church and you're not going to make that change, right? Like you, you get that language, you know, like, or my grandfather built that, you know, that thing that you want to get rid of. And there's this language and it's really fundamentally about power. It's about like, we have held a position of uncontested influence and power in this community. And the moment it's questioned, we're going to employ tactics to ensure that we squash that questioning as soon as possible. And this is a very toxic context, right? And so again, if you are living in this context, if you've grown up in this context, it's not always apparent right away that that's what's happening because the language often, you know, they'll quote Bible verses, they'll quote, you know, a prophet, they'll quote this or that to try and make it seem like their only motivating factor is faithfulness to God. But something inside of you is going to sit there and be like, oh, but something's off, man. Something's not quite right, you know? And that's what we're pointing out here. Like whenever you have that felt sense that something's off, most likely what you're you're seeing or experiencing is some type of gaslighting and bypassing in a spiritual setting. And it might come uh, sort of, you know, inundated with a with a flurry of Bible verses to make it sound holy, but it's fundamentally gaslighting and bypassing. So you know, being aware of that can be really helpful in resisting those those things. So here's a here's a third example. Um, this is one that really makes me sad, and I've seen it happen in in churches many many times. A person is made to believe that their mental health struggles are a result of spiritual shortcomings, rather than what they usually are, which is a complex interplay of many factors. And so you might hear things like true believers don't suffer from depression. Or you just need to pray harder, you know? In fact, I remember sharing, even when I talk about things like religious trauma and, you know, healing and, and things of that nature, and I share about the period in my life where I battled really heavy depression and anxiety, there have been times where people are like, yeah, but how committed were you to God back then? Were you actually praying? You know, were you actually spending time with God? And then I have to say to them, actually, at the time where I was dealing the most with depression and anxiety, I was a student in school, I was studying theology to be a pastor. I was praying sometimes up to three hours a day. I was studying my Bible constantly. I didn't have anything else to do, you know, um, and it didn't help. And usually people don't know what to say to that because, you know, they, they kind of assume, hey, you're praying, you know. And so what will someone who is, you know, really committed to gaslighting, what are they more likely to say in that scenario is, well, maybe you just weren't praying right. You know, sometimes no one's ever said that to me, but maybe they thought it, you know, um, well, maybe you just weren't praying right. Or, or maybe you weren't doing the right type of Bible study, you know, or, Hey, you can pray all you want and study the Bible all you want, but if your heart's not right, you know, they'll say anything, they'll say anything to get around the, the actual scenario or the actual thing at hand, which is that mental health struggles aren't always caused by spiritual shortcomings. And they're not always caused by you didn't pray enough or you didn't read the Bible enough. It's true that spiritual shortcomings can contribute to mental health challenges because we're holistic, interconnected beings. But it's not true that it's always that. And so this idea that true believers don't suffer from depression and you just need to pray harder 
is 100% false, you know? And yeah, it's it's something Absolutely. that it's something that ticks me off. Well, I experienced the same kind of thing when I became a mom. And before being a mom, I was super carefree and didn't have any fears or worries in the world, right? Mm. Uh, when I became a mom, a lot of things changed and it was very sudden. It was almost overnight. And I experienced a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and fear and OCD, you know, all sorts of things. And I remember being told that I am making an idol out of my kids, you know. Mm. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. um, first of all, I didn't put up with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I know what that feels like, you know, mm. to be so dismissed yeah. and to have my whole human experience completely ignored and not considered and you know that that one actually reminds me of another experience that ties into scenario number four i heard uh one time in church someone say to someone else and sometimes people in church are offensive right they'll say things that are offensive they'll say, say things that are mean they'll do things that are just you know like gaslighting and bypassing you know um and i heard this lady in church say to someone else you're only ever offended because you still have an ego and you have to let that go. In other words, if if you didn't have pride, you would never be offended. So if you are being offended, it's only because you still have pride. You still have the sin of pride and you have to repent of that and let it go. And, um, and I remember thinking to myself, this was way back in the day. I didn't even know anything about religious trauma at the time. And I instinctively knew mm, something smells fishy here you know and, and this and is also very common i know we're talking about the church setting but this is a very common one also in other spiritual movements like you know new age movements and things mm -hmm. like that yeah yeah absolutely in fact this is probably a really good place in the episode to plug <laughs> that uh, i think it's two episodes from now i could be wrong it might be it's not the next episode it, it might be the one after uh, we are actually going to have a special guest who came out of New Age, and she's got some really, really amazing stories, really interesting stories uh, of her experience in the New Age movement and how these types of things can happen there as well. So keep your eyes out for that episode, guys. I believe it's called a Religious Harm in Spiritual Communities, something along those lines. Who knows? I might even change the title after this episode as we get closer, but just keep your eyes out. That That's coming. Uh, but you're right. You know, this, this sense that the things that make us human are somehow the reason why we're experiencing distress uh, it, rather than the negative environments and the people that perpetuate those negative environments. Uh, that to me, is it, it, it really irks me because what it's essentially communicating is just fix yourself and let us keep our toxic structures, you know? And if you just fix yourself, then we can keep our, our, our really unhealthy leadership culture. We can keep our really toxic community um, and scaffolds, and we don't have to change anything. And what you're essentially doing is you're saying to the victim of harm, it's your responsibility to fix it. You essentially putting the weight on them to rectify the situation when the weight should be on the people who are causing the harm, you know? So, so here's, just to come back to scenario four, um, a church leader dismisses reports of misconduct, insisting that critics are spreading lies to hurt the church's reputation. And it could be something like those who speak against the church are agents of the devil. They're trying to destroy God's work, you know. I've even heard people use this phrase to defend 
clergy members or pastors who have been caught in misconduct, whether it's sexual misconduct or financial misconduct, they get caught out and they need to be held accountable and, you know, restoration needs to take place and, you know, all the proper steps that that involves. And they'll, some, someone will come along and say, oh, so-and-so is just trying to destroy him because he's a man of God. And it's like, you realize he stole money, right? Like, um, <laughs> like no one's trying to destroy him, which is like the dude has to be held accountable, you know, where you realize he abused this person or he was unfaithful to his partner, you know, all these scenarios. But someone will always turn around and say, oh, they're just the devil. They're the devil's agents. They're trying to destroy what God is doing. And that can leave a person, particularly a person who has already been a victim of harm, can leave them really, really, really shattered. I remember actually talking with a young lady many years ago who had been abused by an elder in her church when she was young, I think maybe 11 or 12. And she finally worked up the courage to tell the church family, this is what happened. This is what the elder did. And instead of holding the el elder accountable, they kicked her out of the church, mm. you know, and said, oh, you, you, you're a danger to our kids. We don't want you here anymore. And she had really, really severe trauma, although she's doing much better today. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, she definitely was able to receive the proper help and begin to heal. But, you know, the trauma of that type of gaslighting, you know, the damage that that would cause, there's the damage of the abuse, of course, horrific. But then when you tell your story and you're not believed, and, 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 and you're accused of trying to cause harm when all you're doing is trying to heal and trying to prevent maybe someone else from being hurt. It, these, are, these are really, really, really painful scenarios and painful stories. So, you know, again, bringing these up to say, don't fall for the rhetoric. You know, people in church will use all kinds of, of rhetoric that sounds pious and that sounds holy. And sometimes they'll even quote Bible verses you know, they'll use the language of scripture and, and it'll sound like, oh, but this person just wants to elevate, you know, holiness or goodness. But if you learn to identify these tactics, you'll see right through it. And again, those tactics are questioning your understanding of reality. That's gaslighting and bypassing, which is avoiding the emotional discomfort that is real, avoiding it, trying to find some way around it, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I've got three more scenarios that I want to explore here. Now, in these these last three scenarios deal more with with bypassing than with gaslighting. But again, if if you if you sit down and you kind of look at them from a bird's eye perspective, it, again, you can, they're so interrelated, right? They're so interrelated. But here's here's the next one: scenario five: ignoring or downplaying instances of abuses within the church emphasizing forgiveness without addressing accountability. So that could be something like forgive and forget. Dwelling on past hurts uh, stops us from growing spiritually. You know, Jesus forgave you. Why don't you forgive that person? You know, um, or even when, again, when, when people in positions of leadership abuse their power, oh, well, God didn't take the, the throne away from David. So why should this person lose their leadership position? So these are examples, again, of here's a real scenario, here's real pain, here's real harm that has been caused. We are not going to address it. We are not going to engage in a process of accountability and reconciliation. We're not going to do that. We're going to bypass it, and we're going to pretend that what we're actually doing is forgiving. 
but that's not real forgiveness, right? That's not real forgiveness. That's appropriating forgiveness so that those who are causing harm can continue to cause harm without ever being held accountable. And so that's an example, again, that bypassing, we're just going to skirt around this thing and just forget that it's there. But rather than say we're pretending it's not there, we're going to call it forgiveness. <laughs> you know? We're, we're, we're going to quote the Bible verses and we're going to quote the stories and pat ourselves on the back. And right. the person who's been hurt has to continue to put up with that and maybe continue to even put up with the perpetrator because no accountability has taken place. Exactly. Forgiveness is really harmful when it is forced or coerced. And it basically takes the accountability and the responsibility away from the offender or it, when it's used to avoid difficult emotions. And it just perpetuates, you know, exploitation, whatever it is that's happening. And it's also important to remember that forgiveness is not the first stage of somebody's healing. People often say to heal, you have to forgive. And I think what actually needs to happen is you heal, you go on that healing journey, and that's the main stage of healing. And then after that, when you're ready and you feel able to do so, then you can explore the idea of forgiving somebody. I, I had a professor who went to visit a, um, a member of his who had been abused horrifically. And he went to visit her at a mental hospital because she had been admitted to a mental hospital because of the damage that she had suffered. And when he got there, the psychiatrist who was in charge of the of that ward didn't want to let him in. Um, and so he actually had to go and sit down with the psychiatrist and talk to the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist said, there's a reason why I don't like Christian pastors walking in here because they walk in here and they tell my patients that in order for them to go to heaven or in order for them to heal or in order for them to do better, they have to forgive and they have to forget that anything happened. And she said that every patient that she has had that has actively tried to do that has ended up worse. And thankfully, this particular professor who was a professor of mine in university explained to her that he didn't believe that forgiveness, biblical forgiveness actually works that way. Biblical forgiveness is not the same thing as absolution, right? Absolution is like the water under the bridge. Let's forget it didn't, let's forget it happened. Biblical forgiveness is a platform upon which a person, a perpetrator, is placed on a platform where they can actually make change without having judgment held against them. But it is not the same thing as saying, I'm just going to pretend that nothing happened. And it's also right. certainly doesn't mean that just because you forgave someone, that you can all be buddy-buddy and be best friends now for the rest of your lives. There are times where you may have to forgive people, which means you're letting go of judgment over them, but also recognize I'm never going to have a close relationship with this person again. Perhaps for safety reasons or others, you let go of judgment, but you also move on and you leave them in God's hands and you hope that they improve, that they do better with their life but you also move on. And by the way, for those of you who are listening, because this is a big topic, Ken, is the topic of forgiveness. This is, this is a topic we're going to do a workshop on. And because I think this is definitely one of those that really necessitates a, a focus all on its own, an actual workshop with some exercises and, and some, some PDF downloads where we can actually walk through what forgiveness is, what it looks like, you know, getting rid of some of the myths that perpetuate harm in the name of forgiveness, and then actually learning some healthy patterns and healthy 
you know, healthy rhythms on, on, on how to move forward when harm has taken place. So again, keep your eye out on our website. We'll be, we'll be releasing workshops here pretty regularly um, from here on out. And forgiveness is one of those that we'll be, we'll be doing together. Um, okay, two more scenarios. And we are going to wrap up with these. So here's a scenario. A person expresses concern about social justice issues within the church. And the response is to dismiss these concerns as distractions from spiritual matters. And I've heard this in Christianity a lot. Our focus should be on salvation, not getting involved in worldly social problems. And um, that's definitely spiritual bypassing. And people love to pretend that they have just dropped some deep theological wisdom when they say that. Um, but it is spiritual bypassing because a lot of people in our world, in our communities, are suffering the results of real systems of oppression and marginalization that are harming them. And, uh, you know, to say, hey, our focus is on salvation not getting involved in worldly social problems is precisely what Jesus was confronting in the parable of the Good Samaritan. Here's this guy who's been beat up. He's on the side of the road dying, and along comes a priest and just keeps on walking. Why? Because the priest is off to his priestly duty. He, he doesn't have time to help some guy who's been robbed. He's got religious things to do. And then along comes a Levite, you know, also essentially a priest, and he comes by. And same thing, he just keeps on going. Why? Because, hey, I'm a religious man. I got more important things to do. I'm not going to stop and help this guy who's suffering. My work is too important for that. And these essentially, we see this even today in modern Christianity, where people bypass real pain in their communities, real suffering in their cities, because, hey, uh, our work is to talk about salvation. And it's hard. It's 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 painful. It's painful to see that. It's painful to hear that rhetoric. But again, when you hear that kind of language in church, know that you are not hearing spiritual wisdom. You are hearing spiritual bypassing. And I've got one more here that we can conclude with. And I think, Candice, I think you might actually, uh, because I know this is something that you have mentioned, uh, doing some content, further content on in the future as well. So uh, I think this one might be one that you'd like to jump in on. Scenario number three, a wife confides in church leaders that her husband is abusive. And the church leader's response, the Bible says that wives are to submit to their husbands. So just be obedient and pray for your husband. Well, I think this topic here, the issue of abuse uh, in relationships is massive. And I think it's definitely something that we do need to do future content on, preferably in a workshop, because what's happening here is some major bypassing at its worst. And I would say the person in this scenario is certainly ignoring real pain and using Bible verses to justify ignoring this pain and not only is there pain here but we have a major safety issue that needs to be addressed absolutely absolutely and and again you guys i think this is the real fundamental objective of this episode it's not to hey let's let's focus on negative things right it's it's to say 
how can we raise awareness so that we can cultivate resilience and not be tricked by the tactics that high control religious communities or individuals use to gain power over us in our lives? And what we're seeing here in this example, again, is a sign of bypassing. And that sign of bypassing is when real issues are ignored. You just pass by them like they don't matter. You can quote all the Bible verses in the world that you want when you are ignoring real issues. And in this scenario, we would be talking safety issues, definitely, um, as well as other issues. Uh, you're just ignoring all of that, covering it up in Bible verses to make it sound pretty, and then moving on with your life and putting this person back in a scenario that is dangerous. That is spiritual bypassing. Like you said, Candace, it is spiritual bypassing at its worst. And, and I really hope that through this episode and through these scenarios, you guys have been able to you've been able to develop a, a lens or a kind of a sense for how to identify gaslighting when a person is questioning your reality or bypassing when a person is ignoring real emotional issues in the name of whatever they want to do it in the name of. And, and here's the thing, like I said it, earlier on in the episode as well, it's important also to know this because spiritual gaslighting often masquerades as we're being faithful, right? And, and bypassing often masquerades as we're being devoted to God. But neither is true. True faithfulness, you guys, true faithfulness means we hold space for each other the way Jesus holds space for us. It means acknowledging our lived experiences and supporting one another. And true devotion means serving one another in humility and love, not trying to get people to ignore their feelings. And in all things, elevating the importance of a person's safety and development, never causing harm to those areas of a person's life. Because the moment you say a person's safety or development doesn't matter, you've placed ideology above a person. And that's essentially what spiritual abuse is. It's ideology over people. So hopefully that was helpful for you guys to, to be able to you know, develop a bit of a helpful definition on these things that you can use as you navigate your experience and, and be able to identify these things as they happen. Like we said earlier, uh, next week, we're going to explore this a little bit more, but instead of phrases that you hear in church, we're going to look at 11 Bible verses. We got 11 Bible verses, you guys. So we're going to look at 11 Bible verses that actually get misused and abused to control and coerce people. And uh, that is going to be a really, really helpful one because a lot of times that's what happens, isn't it, Candace? Like people just throw Bible verses at you and that's like supposed to, supposed to end the conversation. Here's a Bible verse, boom. You, and we use them as a, like a bullet, you know? Um, and, and so we're going to explore that and, and hopefully give you guys not only a deeper understanding of gaslighting, bypassing, et cetera, but also a deeper understanding on a just, equitable, and healing reading of scripture so that not only are you able to recognize when people are misusing scripture, but you can also turn that around in your own experience so that scripture is a healing, uh, a healing teaching as opposed to a harmful one. So anyways, with all that said, thank you guys for hanging out. Thank you, Candice, for, um, for the conversation today as well. And don't forget, you guys, head over to hungerpodcast.com. Our first workshop releases tomorrow. And uh, can't wait to, to make that available to you guys. And I hope you take a hold of it and enjoy it. And um, we'll see you next week.